Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We've got an Arkansas preview for you with Porter Hayes of the Hog Talk podcast. And then, of course, Friday picks with LB's Greg and Skybox. Be sure to check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. And, of course, Skybox Sports Picks. Uh, there is a game this week, lost in all the uh, shuffle of the uh, Lane Kiffin sweepstakes. Ole Miss doesn't play a game, so we got a little preview action and then our weekly picks. So, hope you enjoy the pod. Buckle up. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. Ray is a licensed real estate agent based in Oxford who can help you buy or sell a home, whether it's a two-bedroom condo or your five-bedroom townhome. Whatever it is, just give him a call. He will give you options in your price range. He takes pride in providing individual service to each and every one of his customers and helping them find homes that they will cherish for forever. It's a great time to be an Ole Miss fan. Oh, you know, two days ago might have. Ole Miss is 10 and 2. They're good at football. Or excuse me, 8 and 2. They're good at football. You know, no better time to have your own uh, getaway in Oxford. Maybe you're looking for that two-bedroom condo, tired of paying for overpriced hotel rooms or staying at friends' places and want to place your own. Give Ray a call. He'll help you find a place that's awesome and within your price range as well. Maybe you're looking to sell a home, go from one condo to another. Maybe you live in Oxford, want to put the house on the market. That can be difficult. Ray takes the hassle away from that. You can also provide you options in finding your next home. All you have to do is give him a call at 601-624-4824. Old Miss guy loves doing business with Old Miss people. I wouldn't send you to someone I don't trust. Please give him a call if you're in the mo- in the market to buy or sell a home or condo. 601 601- 624-4824. Tell him I sent you and he will get you all set up and squared away. Broker number is 662-832-7777. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox raking it in on NFL this year, over 60% on that and college. Stop paying the bookie. You want to be paying him and having you ask where your supplementary income is coming from. All you have to do is go online, go to skyboxsportspicks.com, find a picks package that fits your price range. You can go all sports, you can go specific sports, college, NFL, try for a day, a week, a month, whatever. I'd recommend going with the year-long all-access pass. It will pay for itself and then some. And boom, you're all of a sudden better equipped to profit than you were five minutes before signing up for Skybox. They'll send you their picks, a nice little color-coded spreadsheet, organized by unit, what they like most what they uh, kind of advice. It's basically a menu. It's basically a playbook to make money. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. College basketball, their bread and butter that they absolutely murder every year. I cannot overstate that or uh, enough. It's not possible to overstate how good they are college basketball. That's coming up. No better time to sign up right now. Skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. All right, here is Porter Hayes. All right, we now welcome on Porter Hayes, co-host of the Hog Talk podcast, director at My Sports Culture, writer at a couple different places. We're uh, doing the old swapping of home turfs. I was on your show last night. You were on mine today. I appreciate the time, man. How you doing? Doing good. Yeah, I had a good conversation last night. Uh, uh, again, short-term notice on the getting you on my show, so I appreciate it. So, of course, I'm going to extend the offer and come on on with you as well. So let's just kind of getting started in this one. You know, this is an interesting spot as we talked about a lot, like last night from the Ole Miss angle of like what Ole Miss team shows up, how motivated are they from that standpoint? Let's just flip it the other way. What is the motivation for Arkansas here? What is kind of the state of the team from just like a health and uh, say mental standpoint, not like troubled mental, but you know exactly what I mean, like in terms of where they're at coming in the season, what is kind of the state of the program at this point? Well, and, and it's almost like what you said, what team's going to show up. And, and after the Liberty game, I mean, it was dejection. It was just and, – and what we stated last night, it was, you know, the first time Sam Pittman's ever lost a game that he, he should have won. So when you when you come off a loss like that and you're shaking your head and, and of course, you look at the, the, the front side of the jersey of Liberty and you're like, they shouldn't have lost that game. But Liberty is a good team. It did not help things whatsoever when UConn beat them. So you come into the LSU game, ranked number seventh. On Monday, you're like, let's just make it competitive. Let, let's just, you know, try to get things back on track. And how when you let the game kind of slip away and, and you just couldn't get things rolling, 
again, here we are this week coming into the Ole Miss game of just what team are we going to get? And, and especially with a, a, a team like Ole Miss who passes the ball very well, that doesn't bode well against Arkansas's defense. So how did the so – we'll start there because that's probably seemingly the, maybe the most obvious glaring mismatch to some degree in this game for Ole Miss and Arkansas from the Ole Miss standpoint in terms of what they can exploit offensively. How did the Arkansas secondary get th this way? Has it been an injury thing? I know it's going to potentially be a weakness coming into the season as is. I'd be lying to you if I remembered exactly what Arkansas secondary was last year. But were they supposed to be this bad? Like what what's happened there? You, you didn't have you don't have that depth yet. You know that that's the thing. We, we everybody thinks of the the COVID year, and it almost seems like it's five years ago. But we're only two years removed from COVID. Uh, Jalen Catalan got hurt last year. He comes back was was promising, all American candidate. He goes down right off the bat, and then you you know you're then you're trying to move pieces around Hudson Clark. He's trying to be a corner. When he's a safety, Miles Slusher, he's he's promising to to come in and try to help aid that. I mean, you you're set with your linebackers with Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders, and then when you don't have a, a a pass rush on the defensive line, now you're almost you you know when it comes to the three layers of the defense, you're set at the second level with the linebackers. You're you're not so sure about the defensive line. You knew what you had in the back end with with Hudson Clark, Miles Slusher, and Jalen Catalan, but then Catalan goes down. Well, then Slusher gets in his trouble after, after the Liberty game, and he missed the um, the last game against LSU. Now, he's supposedly back, but you know, that seems to be the deal that has just hurt Arkansas the last three years is just injuries and you know as well as I do when it comes to the SEC, if you don't have that SEC type of depth, it's going to murder you when it comes down to this late in the season when your first first string defense is just gassed. Is that still a part of the Pittman rebuild? Because he comes in, right? He wasn't necessarily a heralded candidate, but then he comes in in that weird COVID year and they look completely competent overnight. It's almost as if Chad Morris had no idea what the hell he was doing. And they were kind of this plucky team that wasn't working with much, but damn, they looked good every week. Then they get a really athletic quarterback in KJ Jefferson, and they were just a menace to face last year. And they were competitive in most every game. And it almost seems like, you know, maybe there were such low expectations because of the crater the program was in under Morris that no one really talked about, well, there's actually still more to this rebuild. Like, is that talked about at all? And I'm just curious, like, how much work does he have in terms of replenishing and rebuilding a quality contender of an SEC roster from top to bottom, if that makes sense? Yeah, and then you're on the flip side of it. You know, it's almost like last year was a curse. I mean, you win nine games, you go into the bowl game, you beat a Penn State team, but you had a receiver in Traylon Burks the first round. That just shows you what – a first-round prospect on the offensive side of the ball can do for a mediocre team. I mean, we're not. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it and say that you know Arkansas is this top-tier team in the SEC. They're middle of the pack to, to lower. You know, coming off the Chad Morris days and even beyond that. I mean, you could even go back to the the, the back end of Brett Bielema's era. You know, and it's been just ever since the Bobby Petrino fiasco. It, it, it set back the Arkansas program 10, 15 years. But to answer your question, yes, I mean, they, they just put a lot of emphasis in what happened with those wins. But you also look at this schedule this year and you look at the games and we've talked about it last night with the what ifs. What if that the field goal against Texas A&M goes over in uh, the uprights? What if that two point conversion against Liberty is converted? Now there's two more wins. You're sitting instead of five and five, you're seven and three. Now we're looking at this game against Ole Miss as a whole different ballgame. And so that's an interesting – I was looking at the schedule earlier today, and it's one of those things where, like, Arkansas has had a couple, like, tough breaks in terms of the A&M game. The Liberty game just seemed like it got weird from the start. But outside of that doink off the top of the upright in the Arkansas game, hasn't this year, considering the injuries, gone about how you'd expect it? Like, I would figure Arkansas would have beaten Mississippi State on the road, but you don't have K.J. Jefferson healthy for that game – like it almost seems in some ways the 
demise is not over exaggerated, but maybe thought of worse than it actually is. Whereas they just really had kind of a tough schedule, did they not? I mean, that BYU game, albeit they won it, is we was just weird uh, scheduling wise. Like, where is kind of the temperature of the fan base on this year versus the long term confidence in Pittman? Well, and I, I think you know Pittman still, you know the 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 honeymoon's over. You know, I mean that's just the vibe when it comes to the state of the program. And when he's really now, this is the first time he's really had to answer those tough questions this season because of the COVID year. Then you know you you're not saying they were excuses, but you you got to pass because it was COVID. You got to pass because. You know, this was your first year. Well, you go off and win nine games. Now, look, we've always said it's okay if, you know, if you go seven and five or eight and four, nine and three or whatnot. But we're sitting here at five and five. This is a big game that most likely you're not going to win against Ole Miss. You're going to have to rely on beating Missouri at Missouri, who's proven their defense is pretty salty to even become bowl eligible. So, Along with that, and KJ just hasn't been able to stay healthy all season. This is the second time he's kind of been questionable. Should he even been playing in that Liberty game? And and I don't know if that was a, a, a rash decision or what happened, but, you know, it, it was just – and then Malik coming into the LSU game, it's just it, – it's been a weird year for Arkansas. What is Jefferson's – I should know this, but the injury stuff in college football has been weird. What has the injury thing been this year? Take me down that path for a bit. Well, you know, I can't remember. I, th- I want to say it was the game before Alabama. He got um, hit, and, and it was uh, kind of a, a, a concussion protocol or upper upper hit injury extremity. You know, you can't really just come out and say he was – he had a concussion. I mean, we got to be really – you know, touchy when it comes to that sort of deal. Well, he he was said to be, you know, wait out the Alabama game, and then then it turned into maybe it was a shoulder deal or a knee. You know, he's just been banged up. And even Coach Pittman said, you know, coming into that bye week that there was a lot of guys banged up that are playing hurt, but the depth is so small that they're just having to play with what they have. And with KJ's deal, you know, and – and he come into this season not really being a proven passer. He's been a run-heavy quarterback. We all know that. So he's coming into this year trying to really prove that he can pass the ball. And starting out the gate, he looked a little shaky. Then it seemed like he was he was coming into the rhythm. But when you got receivers that you can count on half the time can, it's hard to get things going with your, your receiving core. You don't have that trail on Barks to throw to this year. So it's been a lot of – roster depth and injuries but with with KJ it's I, and I don't know if it's he's really getting his head about now he's starting to think about the end of his career at Arkansas and draft prospect and all that stuff so there, there's just a lot of you know intangibles that come into you know when it comes to be a quarterback especially with you know draft hopefuls and, and where you want to go in the NFL what happened in the Liberty game? Liberty's playing a third-string quarterback. They played pretty well, but they lost to UConn the next week. I did not watch much of that game. I believe Ole Miss was playing at the same time. What happened? I, man, and, and that's the million-dollar question. Nobody knows. I come out of that. I come on the Sunday show after the Liberty game. You look at the stats and you look at things, how everything was. And it was just the fact that I don't know if they overlooked them, and, and after the Missouri, you can even go back to the Missouri State game, you know, against Bobby Petrino coming back to Fayetteville. We knew that he was going to give them all, he, all they wanted. I think when it comes to it, as we judge these teams like Liberty, they're, they're not the household name. And even though, and this is the point I kind of made with it, was even though the, the past and the personalities and the personal lives of a coach like Bobby Petrino and Hugh Freeze, we still have to realize the mindset they are offensive geniuses. And if you come into a game where, one, you're the underdog, and two, if a team keeps you in that game, you're, you're taking that momentum. And, and they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead, and I think it just shocked. You know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan to get hit in the mouth. Right. I think Liberty come out and hit them in the mouth. And it was the fact that they – it wasn't a fluke deal. They were whipping them on the line of scrimmage. They were shooting gaps. It's almost like Hugh Freeze, and, and, and he is an SEC-caliber coach coaching Liberty. 
He picked up on some weaknesses from Arkansas and took full advantage of it. And they have some athletes. I mean, they have some very good athletes there. They had 14 uh, tackles for loss. It was like uh, four sacks and then 10 tackles for loss. But, I mean, they just dominated Arkansas on both sides of the ball. And lending it back a little bit to the Missouri State game, is there a common thread there? Because, like, even through all the injuries, and Arkansas has been good and playing well. I mean, they can play with pretty much every team in the country, right? I know that Alabama game got a little bit weird with their quarterback injury in its own right. But, I mean, they were competitive in that game. You saw it against LSU last week, but then you have the two kind of weird Missouri State Liberty anomalies. I guess in the bet your best summation, why in this version of uh, Sam Pittman in year three have they not been able to kind of step on the throat of lesser talented teams? You you got to look at style of play. You you look at Bobby Petrino, pass heavy. You know you you look at the Alabama game. Bryce Young was hurt. I mean he got hurt in the game. And then they went to Milrow. He's a run. He's like a KJ Jefferson and. Jameer Gibbs, you know, they just – they they fed the heater. You know, Jameer Gibbs had the game of his life in that game, and and Milrow was running the ball. You know, you're you're hitting those gaps. And then – so that's – that answers your question. Like, when it comes to Missouri State, you've got guys playing out of position that they need to be safeties and they're playing corners, and you're playing a, 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 a zone defense. They finally started to try to go to that rush three drop eight, and it worked for a little bit, but yet they had some of their guys back. Well, then you get Slusher taken out of the game, and, you know, he's playing – you know, he's not playing. Now you've got a backup now, Quincy McAdoo. He's a freshman from – he's an in-state kid from Arkansas. He's been showing a lot of promise. So, I mean, that's that's a good sign when you got somebody that comes in and fills that spot, and he is making the most out of what's been given to him. But to, to really answer your question – that's just been like the M.O. of Arkansas. You know, you, you have certain teams that you have their number like an LSU where you're going to – you know you're going to play up for them. This is one of those games like Ole Miss. Arkansas-Ole Miss games always been one of them quirky games where Arkansas and Ole Miss really want this game. What did, Do you anticipate any staff changes this offseason? Boy, that's that's tough. Um, it, Not Pittman, obviously. By the no, way, no, no, no. His staff for sure. If if, if you just really kind of nail me down to it, I would honestly be surprised if Bryles is back. I think there's just too much heat, and honestly, I think that he he wants to go. If he was to go somewhere, I think this would be the year because I just think another year in in, in the offense of Arkansas and just the frustration growing. I don't know if that's going to hurt his status and. Again, you know, with the the carousel of jobs coming open, but I don't think Odom's going anywhere because that was the first call Pittman made. When when Pittman got the job, he was already on the phone with Odom, you know, and they're really close. So if you had to kind of tell, of course, you're going to have these, um, some of these assistants and stuff. They're going to go through the carousel. But if you was to really ask me who I thought would not be back next year, I, I mean, I honestly would be surprised if Riles was back next year. And it's one of those things where, like, you like, I mean, I, I definitely fall into your line of thinking regarding Odom being back, but it's like, why does that guy not get more calls for, like, you know, head coaching gigs? Like, he wasn't terrible at Mizzou. Yeah. Like the guy behind him is doing any better. Like, and that was one of the things I always thought Pittman was super smart about is he surrounded himself with two really strong coordinators. Like, what Ole Miss, like, hoped or wished the Matt Luke thing was is actually what Sam Pittman did and turned it into a, you know, competitive football program which is kind of the irony and all that kind of going back into like the smaller pictures that pertain to this game though. What is the best version of the Arkansas offense? Like, what does that look like? If you can set the edges, like, like we've seen that and and we've seen what Arkansas can do. If you can set the edges and really get that, that run game where you have to respect their run game first, and then you can do your dump passes. You know, Arkansas is not that deep threat. You don't have to really worry about Arkansas, I mean, they're going to take their shots just like any other team, but you're not going to sit there and sit back 10, 15 yards hoping they're going to burn you. They just don't have the receiving core to sit there and just burn you. So, yes, Arkansas has to – they have to get Rocket Sanders going. They have to get K.J. you got to get your reads. That I think that's the biggest thing. If K.J. comes out, gets his reads going, and he can make those short yardage passes and keep those third downs alive and, and keep the drives going, keeping the ball out of Ole Miss's hands – as much as possible, that's to me is the perfect offense. Is he the starting quarterback next year? 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that, yes. If he comes back and decides to come back, I don't, I don't, they haven't recruited anybody, but then again, without knowing who they're going to look at in the transfer portal. Yes. Because I mean, Fortin's showed some kind of, you know, promise, but I don't think he's ready to take over the team yet as a whole. And then Malik Hornsby's just, you never know what you're going to get with him because I mean, he's, out there starting and playing. And then afterwards, when coach Pittman makes a statement on social media about or a press conference and it's shared on social media, he comes in with a comment and he's already scrubbed his socials earlier in the year. So you just never know where his head, his head space is. But like from the, has there been, am I accurate in asking that? Because has there been some Jefferson detraction this year? I've always just viewed him as an incredible athlete who has won Really fun to watch play football, and two, pretty much torched Ole Miss in 2021. Now, again, with the whole Ole Miss thing, like I'm not watching every Arkansas game as closely, but has there been more KJ criticism this year, or did I just kind of make that up in my head? Well, there's been some. I don't think there's been a lot because, again, he has been hurt, and and this guy's trying his best, and he does not have a Traylon Burks. I mean, we we just had one of our receivers, Warren Thompson, a, a, a transfer from Florida State, leave the team. So we don't know what's going on inside, you know, the locker room there. But no, I, if you want my honest opinion on KJ, I mean, he's done the best. He's good, the best he could with what he has, and. He's bummed, he, he's hurt, and and when you know you're trying to be a quarterback in the SEC, you've got to be on top of your game. And, and an 80% quarterback in the SEC is not going to bode well against these defenses, and you're and especially when you're playing the SEC West. So the, the some of the criticism is warranted, but a lot of it's not because he's just, like I said, he's just trying to play with the cards that he's dealt with. How do you think this plays out on Saturday night? Man, I've been so horrible at predicting that I don't even try to do it anymore. I mean, I, you know, you, you you tried to ride it high when Arkansas was playing Alabama, and you're like, well, they have a shot to win that game because you think Alabama's down and Arkansas is playing up. And then coming into last week's game, you know, if I thought that they were going to hold LSU to 13 points, I mean, you I would have called you crazy. So, this game, it's it's going to be a cold game, but it's going to be 6 o'clock at night. It, it's all going to come down to which Arkansas team wants to show up. Are they going to really rely on going into Missouri to get bowl eligible? Or are they going to really pick themselves up, you know, gain what little momentum they had from the defensive side of the ball on the LSU and try to give the fans a complete game. This is going to be the last home game for Arkansas. It's crazy how fast this football season's went by, but this is the last game of the season in, in Razorback Stadium. So what I see happening is just this is going to be a complete game, but I just don't – you're going against a team where you've got to try to outscore them, and I don't see Arkansas outscoring them. They're going to have to hold the ball, and if they can get the run game going, it's going to be good, but I just don't see – for four quarters, Arkansas outscoring Ole Miss. Don't you think, though, too? I mean, I, I tend to agree with you for the most part, but then again, like, does Ole Miss end up wanting to be there, right? When we talked about on your show last night, kind of the tangible goals are gone and, you know, they, they get yeah. punched in the mouth that they actually get back up off the mat. Like, doesn't it just feel like a game you'll know a ton about the football game after, like, three drives cumulatively? That's what I feel like going in. Yeah, and, and and but it is again. It's weird to say that because you look at the Liberty game, you look at the LSU game. It's all went to the fourth quarter, and you're you're really you don't you don't know until I mean, look at you thought the Liberty game was out of reach, twenty one nothing. They come back, and yeah, it took a last minute drive and it come up short on a two point conversion. And then the LSU game, it was almost like you thought Arkansas had it, and and. Then they just kind of shut down. I think this is going to be a second half game. I think what's going to happen, un unless Ole Miss, just, if Ole Miss gets out on a 21 nothing lead like it was Liberty, that's not going to bode well for Arkansas at all. But if they can keep this close in the fourth quarter, and again, like I said, if if Arkansas can get the run game going, I mean, yeah, they have a chance to win the game. I'm not saying that Arkansas has no chance of winning this game, but that if they're going to do it, they're going to have to get the run. They're going to have to rush for over 250 yards if, if they're going to beat Ole Miss. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a two-point line. Arkansas yeah. definitely has more than a puncher's chance at winning this football game, and Ole Miss had not been very good against the run until last week. That was kind of the most mystifying part of them losing last week. 
is Jameer Gibbs and Jace McClellan did next to nothing. Like Alabama ran for like yeah. 108 yards on 30 something carries last week. It's like, how did they lose that game? That's, you know, that's been their Achilles heel all year. And I say that like the first three drives of the game, I guess I'm thinking of it more of the old Miss perspective from the standpoint of just like, if Arkansas scores a touchdown, get to stop and they get the ball back and they're deep in Ole Miss territory again. If I were a betting man, I would probably take everything I own and throw it on the Arkansas live money line is what I'm getting at. Just because it's so difficult to kind of pick yourself back up off the mat coming off a loss like that. If you're Ole Miss in cold weather on the road, you know, for again, tangible purposes, not that this game is meaningless, but what does this actually mean in the grand scheme of things where you spent the first, you know, 10 weeks of the season playing for something that you worked toward all year. That's what I kind of meant by that, but it's going to be a fascinating one. It's two yeah. fantastic styles, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Porter, I appreciate the time as always, my man. I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, enjoy the game Saturday. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Have, have, have a good weekend, and good luck to y'all the rest of the way other than Saturday. <laughs> All right, that was Porter. Appreciate his time um, previewing the Hogs and what should be an interesting matchup for the Rebels as well. And now we're going to go to LB's Greg. Check him out, University Avenue, Rippy Ride Special. You know the drill. Um, we got our weekly Fresh Cut picks. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones for another edition of Fresh Cuts after a uh, hiatus last week. That was on me. I couldn't get the schedule together in the morning. And then, uh, you know, you're a pretty busy guy. You actually have a job to do and a meat market to run. You were feeding the baseball team last week, were you not? Getting to be that time of year again. Yeah, well, it was a uh, kind of a last-minute thing. I think it was an alumni game. But, uh, yeah, whenever um, they don't text me to say no, so uh, – yeah, I had to take care of that. And then uh, also, you know, Alabama was in town and 200,000 people. So it was a pretty crazy weekend. Beyond the obvious reasons, you wouldn't ever want to say no from like a business perspective. And you're essentially the baseball team dad and just like the chef. How well would Mike Bianco take it if he's like, hey, Greg, we need like X of these. You're like, nah, sorry, win more. Yeah, no, I, that just, uh, uh, you know, just, that, doesn't, that doesn't cut it, you know, and that's, uh, you know, and that's uh, what he expects. And, you know, and that's what I, you know, that's why I opened the business. And that's why, I, you know, I took the job because, uh, you know, I just want to make sure those guys are fed. You know, not everybody wants uh, frozen chicken tenders or, you know, cold chicken tenders uh, after a, playing a baseball game. They probably want some, you know, meatloaf or uh, pulled pork or, you know, that barbecue pork loin. So, yeah, just um, yeah, that's my job, and uh, you know, uh, accept the role and roll with it. So that yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, blessed to uh, to call myself the the baseball team dad. I can't believe I haven't shared this idea with you over a beer at the library at this point. But this just made me think of this again. So you have the ad beyond feeding the team. You have the ad when the away team goes to the bullpen, fresh meat, right? Yes, correct. So it's the uh, visitors call to the bullpen, and that's uh, when they uh, bring out the fresh meat. It's a very catchy ad, but at the end of it, like the guy's still running out usually from the bullpen by the time the ad ends. Could you fill the rest of the time with you just on the screen booing him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, we actually um, the the original um, commercial was we wanted just to zoom in on the guy coming out of the bullpen and just flash fresh meat and just have our logo and our telephone number. You know, we kind of figured that shouldn't be expensive. You know, like we might could afford that. Um, and then it turned into, you know, the uh, production crew coming in and, you know, Ole Miss production crew and everything does a wonderful job with all the hype videos and everything. And, man, they put that uh, commercial together and it's really, um, you know, it's a fan favorite. Um, I've, you know, I've had a customer tell me that, you know, oh, I've, I've seen a, a woman with, a you know, a um, an apron and a bell. So, uh and, you know, there's it's a cool clap on. So, yeah, it's actually a really, you know, good, you know, concept and everything. So I think every local butcher should uh, should sponsor the visiting team to uh, bullpen. There we go. We got to get into the picks this week before we do what's happening at the store. I know Thanksgiving's coming around the corner. I've asked you about the turkey thing a bunch, but you do like the real turkeys to clarify, right? Not like the butterball one. What do people come in and just get in general for Thanksgiving? I would love some sausage at Thanksgiving. We've both been on the ham train for a long, long time. We've that's well established, but uh, what's kind of some Thanksgiving favorites? Well, I mean, we do do the uh, choice farms, uh, the free range turkey. So it's actually a real turkey and it's not injected or anything like that. So it's a totally different product, but, um, you know, I've already placed orders for it. I think I've got everybody covered, but I might have a couple extra ones, but 
Yeah, man. Um, I'm just not a tur- Thanksgiving guy. I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll eat some ham and some deviled egg and some macaroni and cheese. But honestly, um, I just want to, like, play the quiet game and watch football and not do anything. I'm with you there. We got some, uh, we got a light college slate this week. Ole Miss doesn't really do this anymore. I say do this anymore. It's probably just the way the schedule shakes out with like the uh, kind of penultimate week by week where you kind of play the FCS school or the bye game or whatever. You got a few of those this week. But, um, you know, across the board nationally, we do have some decent college games and we'll just get right into it there. Let's start with. Let's go TCU Baylor. The Horned Frogs, they're undefeated. Uh, they, at least they seem to feel like they're still not getting enough respect. They uh, beat Texas pretty handily in a pretty good defensive performance last week in Austin. They are headed to Baylor, which is not an easy place to play pretty good defense on the uh, Dave Veranda over there. They are minus two and a half on the road at Baylor. Which one you go in here? Uh, I like TCU. I mean, why not? Uh, I mean, it, it should uh... – Man, I, I don't feel like it's a uh, Cincinnati from last year situation, but, uh, you know, TCU's got a good club, so why not roll with them? Uh, they should probably be – I mean, I don't know. I feel like they should be play, uh, favored by maybe four and a half, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think this is good value. I'm going with the Horn Frogs as well. They just haven't really failed me much this year. They're usually pretty good about covering. I get that they do have some deficiencies, but they just win games and they – Win games in a lot of different types of ways. Sonny Dykes has got it going on there. If they get it under, they're going to have to go undefeated, I think, to make the playoff. But I mean, what a first year for him coming uh, to replace the shoes of Gary Patterson. You know, usually when you have a guy there that's been there that long, like, and is kind of the, uh, I would say, the kind of the stamp of the program, the next guy that comes along never really fills the shoes as well. And hell, I mean, I guess this could go to hell in the next couple of years, but uh, Sonny Dykes off to a great start there. So I'm going to go with the TCU. Horn Frogs there on that one. Skybox is fading us. They're going Baylor on that one. So Skybox Sports picks going with Baylor. Let's go to Florida Vandy. Vandy last week snaps a 20-something game, like four-year-long SEC, uh, or three-and-a-half-year-long, I should say, SEC conference losing streak. They went on the road at Kentucky last week. What a brutal loss for Kentucky. But I was very happy to see that. You know, it's hard to continue to pick yourself back up off the mat when you kind of I don't know, really have no reason to and are not competitive in most SEC games. They finally won one. They're 14-point dogs in Nashville against Florida. This, to me, feels like a spot where Vanderbilt's overvalued, I think. But I'm going to go with the sentimental play. I'm going to say Vandy's riding high. I'm going to take them plus the 14. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that because, uh, you know, it's amazing what happens when a a win comes in the locker room and that uh, feeling that, you know, like you were saying, picking yourself off the mat every single time. So maybe they get some home momentum and they uh, put up a good fight. I like the 14 and a half. So let's take it. I'm with you there. And Skybox is with us there. They're going with the nerds too, the Vanderbilt Commodores. The next game's on the other side of that. We got Georgia, Kentucky in Lexington. You know, at the beginning of the year, you know, Kentucky riding high off that ranking our preseason ranking, it's like, oh, this could – I don't know if this will necessarily have uh, East implications, but if, Vander- if Kentucky's undefeated or one loss at this point, they're at least going to have their kind of puncher shot to, you know, maybe luck into their way of winning the East. They clearly did not play out that way. Kentucky's been seemingly a train wreck since they left Oxford. Maybe it was just hindsight, and I didn't – like, and I thought after that game, Kentucky was a pretty good football team that just came up on the wrong end of a pretty good football game on that October 1st Saturday – but they've been pretty terrible since, and that win hasn't really held up for Ole Miss. I saw another draft thing this week. One of those NFL draft guys is like, big opportunity for Will Levis this week against that Georgia defense to improve his draft stock. I, I just – I really don't see it. I get he throws a good ball, um, particularly against air, but, like, man, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the play calling. Maybe it's the lack of an offensive line. I just don't really see it. That being said, it is Kentucky plus 22-and-a-half. Uh, at home against Georgia. ton of points there. I'll let you lead this one off. Where are you going? Yeah, it almost seems like it's uh, they're tanking the season to get the first-round pick and that they're not going to get. The, so, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's actually been kind of a probably a disappointment. Now, even if, uh, you know, Kentucky wins these games that they're supposed to win, I mean, what's this spread if it's, you know, Kentucky's only lost one or one game, you know, is it? I'd say 14 or 15. Yeah, I mean, it's probably still double digits. So, 
I don't know, man. I just think uh, I think Georgia's just on another level and just uh, you got to go with the hot hand. So I can see uh, Georgia, Georgia just rolling them up and maybe five or 10,000 people at this game. I'm going Kentucky for whatever reason. Like, I could be completely wrong about this. I do think Mark Stoops probably tries to move on to greener pastures after the year. He's, I think he's a good coach. He's probably done everything he can do at that Kentucky program. But for whatever reason, I think this is maybe a little bit of a last stand game for UK. Um, that's a ton of points. I'll probably end up wrong about this, but I'm just going to ride with Kentucky there and tell I uh, think they keep it within three touchdowns. Skybox is going with UK as well. Okay, so they're going with the 22 and a half on that one. That's really one of the better SEC games of the weekend just because there's so few of them, which is kind of just puts the slate in perspective as a whole. Let's go back out to the Big 12. You've got Texas going on the road to Morgantown. No, no, sorry. Kansas State going on the road to Morgantown to West Virginia. Misread the sheet here. It is Kansas State minus seven and a half at home, or excuse me, on the road at West Virginia. I honestly don't know why I put this game in there. Maybe the slate was just light, but I'm going to go with Kansas State. I kind of like watching that Deuce Vaughn kid play. I think they're a pretty good football team. Ended up on the wrong side, kind of melted down against TCU. And then really like that Texas game. They just fell in too big a hole early. I thought if you had five more minutes in that game, they might have won it by 10 points. But I'll go with the uh, I will go with the Wildcats on this one. I really have no feel. I just like the color purple. Yeah. Um, so is the uh, is he a transfer guy or he, was he there? No, no, he's – I believe he's a guy that's been there the whole time. You know, they brought that coach in from uh, – was it North Dakota State, wherever Wentz went to school, and he's been pretty good um, for the majority of that. But I think that was just a nice recruiting find by them. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the – I'll go with TCU with you. It just seems like uh, West Virginia – I mean, I don't like – I mean, I don't know why Dayton Hogerson hadn't gotten uh, them in, in the right spot. But I, I, I like uh, I like Kansas State here. All right, I'm going to uh, – Skybox is on West Virginia, so they're taking the seven and a half at home. There's always some weird cover deal, I feel like, going on with West Virginia whenever they play a game in that stadium. It's just a completely theory. I have no evidence to back it up. But it honestly goes both ways. Like, most of the time, it got to be like it goes in favor of West Virginia. We're like, how the hell they cover that game? But then you had that weird one. Do you remember this early this year when TCU was playing up there? I believe it was a seven-point spread. It was a three-point game with a minute left. TCU, all they had to do was get one first down on like a fourth and one, and then they take knees and the game's over. And they go to the shotgun. Uh, West Virginia jumps off sides, and Max Duggan throws it deep for a touchdown, and boom, if you had West Virginia, sorry about your luck. You uh, now rip up that ticket the, because um, the Horn Frogs won by 10 in one of the worst beats I have seen in quite a while. Weird stuff tends to happen there, so we'll see what happens on that one. Texas, Kansas. Texas on the road at Kansas. It is Texas minus nine. I'll lead this one off. I don't think Texas is very good on the road. They finally got the monkey off their back against Kansas State two weeks ago and won a road game in the Big 12. But, boy, they tried every opportunity to give that game away. Kansas backup quarterback, a little bit beat up, but I still like what Lance uh, Leopold, Leipold, however you say his name, is doing. Kansas bowl eligible. I just think they're a decent football team. I would have liked to have seen them with their first-string quarterback go through the rest of the schedule this year and see where they actually would have stacked up in the Big 12. They're 6-4, and four, which is beyond respectable for Kansas, but I feel like they were actually a pretty damn good football team with that starter in. So with that said, I'm easily going to go Kansas here plus 9. This might be my favorite one of the weekend just because I don't trust Texas on the road. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you on this. And uh, what's, didn't Kansas, didn't they pull the um, kind of like the commercial, the ESPN commercial that Ole Miss did with Tamu and you know, protecting kind of secret service with the quarterback. And then I've not then, seen that. That would be disappointing to hear because that was actually one of Ole Miss's uh, sports. I say actually, that was just one of Ole Miss's sports productions. I thought one of their better just gyms. They do a very good job. I, they ripped that I, off. I, I, hate I to love that. that commercial. I, I love that. I, uh, but no, I'm pretty sure like Kansas kind of reinvent and did that. And then the quarterback gets hurt this that week weekend. So. Um, yeah, I think that's karma for not for trying to reproduce one of those uh, one of the best uh, commercials ever. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kansas. It's just too many points at home. I, I like them at home. Skybox going Kansas as well. Back to the SEC, we got UT or I say UT Tennessee and South Carolina. I guess you could say UT USC here. Nobody would know what the hell we're talking about. But Tennessee going on the road against South Carolina. It is South Carolina plus twenty two. I will make this one pretty simple. Tennessee needs style points. They hung 66 
um, on Mizzou last week. And that was like a four-point game at like 28-24 or something at one point in the third quarter. Like Tennessee was still chucking it deep with about four minutes to go up 30-something points. I don't think South Carolina is very good. They have that win against A&M. They have a chance to capitalize on it the next week, and they lose to Mizzou at home. They go get smacked by Florida. I just don't think they're very good. I like Shane Beamer. I just don't think that team's very talented. So I'm actually probably going to hammer the uh, hammer the balls here. I'm taking them minus 22. Yeah, I mean, if they're throw, if Tennessee's throwing up throwing the ball like they were against, yeah, uh, <laughs> I I don't I mean, how many style points do you have to get? But yeah, I'm gonna go Tennessee here to see the, them to roll them up. Skybox is rolling with South Carolina. They're taking them to cover the plus twenty two. That's an interesting one because I don't yeah, know. I mean that 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 definitely seems like you know kind of fishy, you know fishy. But uh, I, you know, just try to go with the better team. Yeah, I'm with you on. That one for sure. I just, I don't know. I mean, that is a lot of points on the road, but I just think South Carolina sucks. We'll see. How about let's go out to the Rose Bowl? We are going to play. Actually, I don't know if this game's at the Rose Bowl. I think it is. UCLA is the home team. It's USC, UCLA. I, what did I miss here? So the last two games we're going to do for the Ole Miss game is USC, UCLA, and then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Are these When did these games stop being played on Thanksgiving? There was like a weird time where USC, UCLA played the week after Thanksgiving. Maybe that was a COVID thing. I don't remember. But am I crazy? I thought this was always rivalry week last week of the year. What's going on here? Do you know? Well, I mean, you know, the uh, USC's in the Pac-10. I mean, in the Big Ten now. So it's really uh, not, a, not a rivalry anymore. And Oklahoma's in the SEC, so it's not a rivalry anymore. So, you know, I, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. All these traditional rivalry games that are not going to be played anymore. So it is what it is. But. Hopefully they get it worked out and, you know, maybe the big conference eventually comes. Yeah, I, I I do hate that piece of where college football is headed. This is an all-time uniform matchup. I didn't even give the line. That was a terrible job there. It is USC minus two and a half. Let me double check that. Though. I want to make sure I have that right. But um, all-time uniform matchup in this game for sure. Um just incredible uniforms. I like it. They did it a couple years where they would both wear the colors. Like, and they wouldn't team one team wouldn't wear white. You would just get the blue on the red. A lot going on on the screen, but I, I kind of liked it. Just two of the better uniforms in college football. And as I double check this really quickly, it is yeah USC minus two. I thought that was the case. So it is USC minus two. I'm taking UCLA outright. I think they're a more complete football team. I think Caleb Williams has been awesome. But that offense kind of lives and dies by his ability to just kind of throw someone open sometimes. DTR is really dangerous for UCLA. I'm probably going to take the Bruins here outright to win. Yeah, I like the Bruins too. Uh, I mean, I, I, I prefer that powder blue over that granite. So, uh, uh, what? that's not granite. Garnet? Garnet, my bad. Granite would be a weird uniform, I got to say. I'm colorblind. I have no room to talk. The fact that I actually yep. is garnet. I'm, I'm looking at my countertop, and I was like, oh, yeah, granite. Uh, no, I, I like you at, uh, UCLA here. Let's go with the, uh, the Bruins. So does Skybox. They love UCLA there, too. That might be the play of the weekend. I know I said the uh, Kansas one was. I actually might like that one better. And then we're going to go to Bedlam. We're going to go Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, one last, of the last, last times we'll see this game, I don't think it's the last time. I don't think OU and Texas are joining until 2025, at least from the sounds of it. But who knows? All of a sudden, you'll get a, a report from, like, Ross Dellinger in May, and it's like, actually, this is happening now. And it's like, all right, I guess this is happening. I don't think it can happen next year. The schedule's already out. So, But uh, anyway, not really that important. We're going to go Bedlam. I've actually been to one of these games. I have a buddy from a childhood friend whose mom was a big Oklahoma State fan. I think she was a graduate and he was like, want to go to Bedlam one year? And I was like, 12. I was like, sure. It was actually Sam Bradford's last game at Oklahoma. Oklahoma won in Stillwater. Like, something absurd, like 66-45 or something. It was an absolutely oh, wow. insane game. But you want to talk about rivalry atmospheres and stuff we're going to lose. I really enjoyed, like, being in that stadium that night. It was incredibly, incredibly cold. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And this is another one we're going to lose unless they figure something out here. Maybe they do the Florida-Florida State thing. I don't really know. But this one is in Norman, and it is Oklahoma minus seven, which would tell you that Spencer Sanders, who's been injured, is probably not going to play for Oklahoma State. I'm not going to pretend to know what the backup situation is there, 
but I just don't think Oklahoma's very good. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to be plus seven, and I might look at the money line there as well. I'm going to take the Cowboys. I just, again, I don't really care. I don't think Oklahoma's very good. Yeah, I'm just going to have to straight agree with you. I, I like Oklahoma State in this, in this thing. I mean, you know, I know they laid a egg against Kent, was it Kansas State 49 nothing? It was pretty bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, for some strange reason, I just like Oklahoma State and I like Gundy and I just uh, I, um, I don't think Oklahoma's in the in the spot in the right spot yet. And they need to. I don't know. I just think I, I like Oklahoma State. This. Well, I mean, Oklahoma has not won a football game since October the 15th, since they beat Kansas by 10 points. So, like, I, I just I don't know, man. I mean, that, and then they hadn't won one. They, they have had two wins, unless I'm reading this wrong. They have had two wins since September the 17th. Not great. Not great yeah. there. So I am. Uh, I don't really care what the Oklahoma State backup situation is. I don't think Oklahoma is very good. Skybox is going to go. They're going OU minus seven, which tells us we probably took the square side. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, when a line doesn't make sense, you lean dead into it. I don't care. I think Oklahoma State – is a better football team. And then, of course, the last one, it is Ole Miss, Arkansas. This is now gone back to Ole Miss minus two, so we'll use that line. It is Ole Miss trying to rebound from a game against Alabama. You've had this whole week with all the Kiffin nonsense, although I don't know necessarily if that affects the players as much as people think. Talk to some people about this. Um, they're pretty insulated in season. I, look, they can't avoid it. I get it. Um But I, I just I don't know how big of an effect that's going to have. I'm more interested to see how Ole Miss gets up back off the mat in a road environment, in a cold-weather game, after all of their tangible dreams have been crushed, right? Maybe the outside shot at the playoff, the outside shot to win the SEC West. Losing that was weak in that fashion was crushing on its own, but those dreams are now gone. So what do you do now? How do you respond? Like, is Ole Miss pretty resilient? I, I don't know. So we shall see how this plays out. I am uh, – let's see where we're going on this one. It has two and a half now. Um, I'll let you lead this one off. Which where, which direction are you going in? Well, I'm just going to take Ole Miss. I mean, you know, uh, I, it's it's um it's tough that um you know you lose a, a big game like that and kind of the way we lost it. I mean, it was just um, they had it for the taking. That is for sure. And um, it's a tough pill to swallow. And then you know uh, you get really close to beating Alabama, and you know everybody's got to come to the understanding like you have to beat the refs too. I mean, you know, your Alabama's going to get calls that you know normally uh, nobody else doesn't get. So with that being said, you know you have to um, you have to beat the refs too. And uh, we had a shot there, and it just didn't get taken care of. And now it's uh, all the attention has uh, gone to where's Lane Kiffin going to coach, you know, after, you know, one, you know, series away from, you know, winning that game. So, you know, I don't know if, you know, Ole Miss wins that game if they do punch it in. Um, you know, Alabama somehow, some way probably, you know, would have a field goal to tip with, you know, with that being uh, so. Man, it's a tough pill to swallow. But, yeah, I just think the Revs somehow, some way kind of bounce back and, uh you know, you just can't you can't take the 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 way of the way of the success of the season. You know, you lose somebody like Matt Corral, you lose a lot of players. You know, to the NFL. And uh, with that being said, I've, they've showed a lot of character, and they're a couple wins away from having a really good season. So it's not like it's all lost. I'm taking Ole Miss, and I'll tell you why. I feel like I've been way too optimistic on Ole Miss this year. I think I've taken them to cover every week except for one, maybe, and I don't necessarily feel great about that. But if this was any other spot, like, honest to God, I don't know if, like, in this spot, if they were going to A&M, if I'd take them. And I think it'd be right around the same line. I just think Arkansas's secondary is – and particularly that defensive line, too, played pretty well last week. But I'm just not sure I'm necessarily sold it. I'm just not sure Arkansas is good enough to beat Ole Miss. Maybe I'm co completely wrong about that. They'll get K.J. Jefferson back this week. But I do think Ole Miss will have an advantage – particularly in the off the back end of Arkansas's defense. That pass game kind of came together, even though it was a disappointing loss. They utilized some one-on-one -on -one matchups, kind of picked on that freshman corner from Alabama. So I'm going to take Ole Miss here, minus two and a half. I say that with very, very just uh, caution. I don't have much of a feel. I don't feel great about that. I just – Arkansas is just not very good. And if Ole Miss loses this one, it's because they came out completely flat. I think this is another game you will learn a lot about the game, you know, 
I don't know, three, four drives in because like what happens when Ole Miss gets down 10, nothing. Cause that's when it's hard to pick yourself up back off the mat. They'll be ready to play at the opening kick, but when it's cold and you get down 10, nothing, can they respond? I just think Ole Miss is so good on script. I'm not sure they'll be put in that situation until much later in the game. Anyway, we shall see. I'm taking Ole Miss minus two and a half and Skybox is as well. We've got two free plays for you before we head to the NFL and Skybox bows out because their NFL plays are behind a paywall. They do have to make money at this thing. But uh, we've got the we got Georgia Southern plus four and a half. If I can figure out who they're playing, I wish Skybox would give me an opponent on that one. We got Georgia Southern plus four and a half against. Tell me you don't know off the top of your head who Georgia Southern's playing, right? I'd almost be concerned for you if you did. Let's see. I would love to take I'd love to take a shot at it, but uh maybe North Texas. That's a uh that's a hell of a guess. I'm so confused by the conferences now. Um what that, are they? Are they Sunbelt? So fun belt, then which has actually turned into a really, really good football conference and is siphoning people away from the Americans. Sorry, Marshall. It is Marshall. Uh, um, this game line has actually now moved to six and a half. We're gonna stick at four and a half, but uh Georgia Southern plus four and a half at home against the Marshall Thundering Herd. And then the other free play is UK Georgia over the 49 and a half. So those are the two skybox free plays of the week, Georgia Southern plus four and a half, and then UGA uh, and UK over 49 and a half. Well, As I the- will definitely say it is cold in Lexington. Uh, I will, <laughs> I can only imagine uh, uh, what it's going to be like, in, you know, Fayetteville and uh, aren't they, aren't they moving football games because of weather, right? That's in Buffalo. You got a big uh, winter storm. You know, we think we deal with cold weather down here. They're dealing with several feet of snow up there in Buffalo. A classic, uh, not to get off on a tangent, but just a classic uh, kind of like non-nuanced Twitter take that I've seen a bunch this week. is like, so Buffalo's building a new stadium, and they had to move the game to Detroit because of the blizzard. And they're like, oh, they're idiots. They're building another outdoor stadium instead of a dome. It's like, well, that actually doesn't really have anything to do them moving the game has little to do with the actual outdoor stadium. It's about getting the teams in and out for travel concerns and a dome stadium wouldn't fix any of that. And there's a goal they can't practice. It's like, well, they have an indoor facility. It's like, I don't really understand that one, but rant aside, yes, it is supposed to snow up there. Be a very cold weekend. It sounds like across the country, but uh, be that as it may, let's roll on to the NFL coming off a nice Titans win on Thursday night. Very much enjoyed that. I don't love this Titans team, but man, Vrabel is just a good coach. And I don't think anyone can dispute that at that point. But we'll start with – Yeah, I mean, you got your best running back throwing touchdowns now. Yeah, I love that Henry jump pass. It is just so just awesome to see because you're like, all right, he's going to bowl over him for three yards and get in here. That's like actually he's going to pop up and chuck it. Very much enjoy that because every fewer pass that Ryan Tannehill has to throw is a win for the Tennessee Titans. Let's go Baltimore. We'll start here. Baltimore, Carolina. It is the Ravens minus 13. We have some big spreads the last couple weeks in the NFL. It is the Ravens minus 13 against the Panthers. Uh, I'll make this one simple. I'm taking the Panthers because, one, I think their defense is pretty good. I think P.J. Walker is okay. And I don't think Baltimore, with the current version of that offense, should be favored against 13 against anybody. And the second part of that, these double-digit spreads in the NFL just don't cover. They hit, like, 25% of the time. Like, the if you take the double-digit dogs, if you take jogs in general, you're just crushing it in the NFL this year and the last three years. But these double-digit dogs just don't cover, so I'm, I'll make this simple. I'm taking the Panthers. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's been some nice little money line uh, payouts on some double-digit. I mean, I wasn't Carolina a double-digit against uh, Tampa Bay this year. I imagine that was a nice little Oh, yeah, little so was line. Pittsburgh. You had a Jets win in Lambeau. There's been some crazy ones this year. Yeah, so there's been some payouts on some nice uh, money lines. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's just no way that I can see um, Carolina doing that. I mean, I mean uh, uh, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, you know, scoring, you know, covering two touchdowns. Yeah, I just – I don't think they're good enough to do it. We'll go to Indy. We got the Colts and the Eagles. It is the Colts plus six and a half. They've hired Jeff Saturday. That was the big story last week as their head coach, who was not with the organization, has no coaching experience outside of like two years of high school. But NFL legend, Colts legend, played with Peyton Manning a bunch of years. And they went on the road last week. They He went, got in the building in their two days and was like, man, they're starting Sam Ellinger. No, thank you. We'll be putting Matt Ryan back in, despite whatever plan was was in place before me. And they win a game against a terrible Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders team. I'm so fed up with the Raiders. They have too much talent. I don't understand why they suck. 
That said, they're plus six and a half at home against the Eagles. I hate taking road favorites, but I'm going to take the Eagles here because I think they played horribly on Monday night against the Commanders. Uh, that was another one, plus 12 and a half or 11 and a half last week, and the Commanders win it outright. I think the Eagles have a get-right game this week, and I don't think Indy's very good. So I think I'm going to go uh, Philadelphia here. Yeah, I would think that, you know, the play here would be Philadelphia, but and I don't know, for some strange reason, I'm taking Indianapolis just because the home dog and the whole Jeff Saturday. I know he's like – The numbers I mean, back you up on that. Yeah, do like do, I mean, do people just not want him to have the job because he's not qualified, or do, do they just not think that he's never played football in his entire life uh, and he's a you know Hall of Fame center? I, I mean, I think that you know uh, you surround yourself with good coaches, and I mean, I think it's actually a pretty decent hire. I, I don't know. My thing is, is like they do the same hires over and over again, and I get there's issues with the NFL hiring process and you know representation. I get all of that. But you have all these guys they retread all the time, like, and then the one time they do something out of the box, they're like, "Oh, this is terrible." It's like, well, you know, some of these other guys not working out so great. So I just don't get worked up about it either way. I think it's an interesting experiment. I don't know if it'll be a good one, but we'll see. All right, so you're going indie there. Here's a uh, slobber knocker for you: Houston and Washington. It is Houston plus three at home against the five and five Washington Commanders. They're technically in last place, but they're a half game out of a in the NFC East, but they're a half game out of a playoff spot. Um. Carson Wentz healthy this week, but they announced that Taylor Heineke is going to continue to start. I think that's the right move. I'll let you lead this one off. Where are you going here? I'm just going to stay with the Washington football team. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I, you know, for some strange reason, they've been getting it done, and why not get it done while, you know, on a team they should they should win. So uh, I'm going to scratch my head and just take the Washington football team. I'm locking the Commanders. I know it's another road favorite, but I think they're actually pretty good. Heineke's frisky. That defense is actually really good. So I'm taking the Commanders there and locking it. I just think Houston sucks. I'm tired of watching them. They uh, they were frisky for like five weeks, particularly when they were bigger underdogs, but I just don't think they're very good. Jets-Pats in New England. It is Pats minus three and a half. Jets had that big game against them a few weeks ago. You know, after they'd lost Brees Hall, felt like a big moment for the organization because the Pats owned them and Zach Wilson imploded. I'm going to take the Jets here, though. I don't know. Like, New England's got a good defense and they run the ball, but I think there's a ceiling there. And I just – there's something about the Jets this year. I'm going to take the Jets plus three and a half here. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad pick, but uh, I don't know. For some strange reason, I'm going to take Belichick and just they win a nasty game for some strange reason. Lions and Giants in New Jersey – at the Meadowlands, it is Giants minus three. The Giants are about to get to nine and two if they somehow win this game. Um, their schedule's favorable. They're, I don't know if they're very good, but they they make the most of what they have and they figure out how to win close games. Uh, Lions get a big, big road win. I think that was their first road win in over two years, which shows you the state of that organization at the Bears last week. That was a debacle of the game. I'm not falling for it again. But uh, I'm going to take the Giants here because there's one team that wins close games and one team that just loses them. Kind of like that Jags game a few weeks ago with the Giants. I'm taking the Giants here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you on the Giants. I like the Giants here. Let's just make it simple because, yeah, I mean, if it, it, if it takes you two years to win a road game in the NFL, then you probably uh, don't need to be betted. I don't think they're going to win consecutive ones. I wouldn't like their odds on that. We'll go with your uh, New Orleans Saints. Talk about the two most frustrating teams in the NFL here. Saints, Rams in New Orleans. It is New Orleans plus two and a half. I'll let you lead this one off, but man, these might be the two most frustrating teams in the NFL to watch this year. Um, I'd like to see uh, Jameis back. I don't understand the Andy Dalton thing. I, I don't really get what Dennis Allen just doesn't seem like a very good coach, but where are you going here? Yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, Dennis Allen's not the right hire, and uh, you just uh, scratch your head on a lot of things that have been going on in New Orleans, and you know, why hasn't Jameis given the shot? But, whew, man, I mean, wasn't this a NFC playoff, I mean, a title game a couple of years ago? So, Oh, yeah. Jared Goff, the non-PI call, you know, continued the Saints' war against NFL officiating. Where, yeah. uh, which way are you going here? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll take the Saints just because, uh, I don't know, maybe they ate, they, they ate their beans. I'm going Saints here too. I just cannot stand watching that Rams offense. I don't. This is like the team. Like the Saints have frustrated me slightly less. Is basically my logic for this one. So I'm taking the Saints at home as well. I just the, the Rams shouldn't be favored against anybody. I screwed that line up. Holy cow! It's actually New Orleans minus two and a half. That doesn't really change anything for me. Does that change anything for you? No, I'm still good with it. 
Yeah, I read that completely backwards. That's on me. But uh, I'm going with the Saints as well. How about a just hold on to your lunch game? These teams are impossible to wager on. Falcons-Bears in Atlanta. It is Atlanta minus three. Atlanta's coming off a Thursday night game last week. They just laid a total egg against the Carolina Panthers. Some weeks they look awesome. Some weeks Marcus Mariota looks like he's forgotten how that he ever touched a football in his life. This line feels exactly right, though. It is Atlanta minus three, but my God, I don't know what to do here. Oof, uh, where's the lucky coin and let's flip it? Um, I'll go Falcons. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take Atlanta. I can't quit the Atlanta Falcons for some reason. The Bears, Justin Fields is much watched TV every week. I picked him up off waivers in a fantasy league, and he's like literally like a top three quarterback now. It has been an absolute shot in the arm for a very pedestrian fantasy season. But they're just not good enough on defense. Like, they give up way too many points. I think Atlanta runs all over. I'm taking the Falcons there as well. We won't make that one complicated. Let's go to the late slate. We got Denver, another gross one. Denver and Las Vegas. It is in Denver. The uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos have a big win in London two weeks ago. They get up 10-0 against my Tennessee Titans and then just decide not to score again. Titans, Vrabel kind of bring them into the mud, and they, they lose again. I have no clue here. I, I you could you put a gun to my head and I'd say, can they both lose? Um, I actually did see. Um, I think it was Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, got asked something about this game, and he just goes, "Well, someone's got to win." Like, really inspiring <laughs> confidence there, pal. You know, you traded away your after franchise for Russell Wilson, and that's your answer to this playing the two and seven Raiders in Week Ten or whatever the hell this is. Um, I just I, I cannot go in good conscience. I hate watching the Broncos. They're frustrating. That defense is just being completely wasted. Russell Wilson's annoying. I'm going to go with the Raiders, but uh, this is a stay away of all stayaways. Yeah, this is. Uh, hopefully, you're taking a nap or finding something else uh, better to uh, better to watch. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with you on the Raiders. I just it, yeah. What a, talk about the back to back gross lines there. It's like I I don't know if you have a huge lean on that one. Like seek help or let me know what you're knowing because I I don't see it at all. We've got ooh a good one here. Uh, Minnesota Dallas in Minnesota. It is the Vi the eight and one Vikings coming off a win at Buffalo in the craziest game of the year. You had the fumble on what was supposed to be like a kneel down or a sneak to get out of the end zone. Goes in the overtime. At the end of the day, it was kind of a feather in the Vikings' cap. I think it changed the perception of how a lot of people view the Vikings, where they won a game against a really good team, and they did it on the road. Buffalo continues to find a way to lose close games. They seem to be much better suited when they just get up 10 points and then just lay the hammer on you. But uh, it is Minnesota. What would you guess this line is? The 8-1 and one, um, Minnesota Vikings against, what, the 7-3 and three Dallas Cowboys, 6-3 and three somewhere in there. What would you just guess this line is off the top of your head? Minnesota minus three? It is Dallas minus two. Tell me how that makes sense. Wow. Uh, maybe they don't like uh, iced out Kirk Cousins. Uh, what is going on with that? I don't know. Kirk Thuggins, which is now getting announcers canceled across the board when they mention it every week. They're like, why are they saying thug on air? It's like, well, I think it's kind of a joke, but whatever. Not going down that rabbit Wait, hole. Wait, what's his, what's his name? They call him, you know, the iced out Kirk Cousins. Some of the announcers are calling him Kirk Thuggins. Oh, wow. Which, obviously, that's a word you don't need to use in 2022, according to whatever rules. I'm not going down that path, but I've seen people get upset online about that one. I think it's kind of funny. I like Kirk Cousins. He's an incredibly frustrating quarterback, but he seems kind of like a dorky, uh, genuine version of himself. Like, he, he doesn't seem full of it like Russell Wilson, but he is kind of a nerd. Um as far as this game, I, I don't know, man. I'll just go with the one that doesn't make sense. I'll take Dallas on the road here because everything in my power doesn't – like, I can't. I don't understand this line for the life of me. So, congrats to Dallas. Yeah, so is it just because, like, Kirk Cousins is really bad at night? Is this just, like, that full-on angle? But it's a 3 o'clock game. Oh, I, I thought, I thought like, I, it's, It is yeah. prime time. So, that is fair. It's a prime time game. It is the Fox game of the week. But, like – it's not a night. I, I don't know. You couldn't. I don't know. So where are you going here? This is just. This I, I'm is, gonna. I'm gonna go with you on the Dallas side. I think. Uh. Uh. uh I'm not gonna go with uh, Kurt uh, Cousins on a on a on a Sunday night. That might be the strangest line of the year. That blew my mind when I saw that. You know, I read that other one backwards a second ago, and I looked at that one. I was like, I'll refresh the page. Like, what what's going on here? But okay, we're both on the Cowboys on this one. I've only used one lock. I don't feel great about any of these. Um, I might use another one here though. 
Bengals, Steelers. No, I'm not, actually. It is Steelers plus four in Pittsburgh, but you get T.J. Watt back. That Bengals offensive line cannot protect Joe Burrow. I don't think Jamar Chase is back with this one. I'll have to double-check on that one real quick, but I'll let you lead this one off. It is the Steelers plus four in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll go with the Steelers. But yeah, I mean, like you know, I guess that uh, TJ Watt is is a big big deal. So yeah, I'm gonna go that that route. Yep, no Jamar Chase on that one. I'll go Bengals. I, I I don't think they can afford. You know, they lost that weird game to them at the beginning of the year. We had the missed extra point, couple of doinks, wild overtime game that we thought might be the game of the year in Week One. Um, but the Bengals are five and four, and they really need this game. I don't think the Steelers are going anywhere as far as a playoff hunt. So I'll go the Bengals here, but that that that's that doesn't I don't feel great about it. I missed one one o'clock game before we get to the two Sunday and Monday night games. Buffalo minus seven and a half. This game we just talked about earlier that's gotten moved to Detroit because of the snowstorm against the Cleveland Browns. It's Buffalo minus seven and a half. I'll go Buffalo. I think they bounce back this week. They've had back to back losses where they've given the game away and Josh Allen hasn't played well. Tough spot for Cleveland here. I think Buffalo, even though they're not playing in their home stadium gets right indoor field here. I think they kind of destroy the Browns. Yeah, I like Buffalo here, too. I think I think Buffalo rolls. All right, let's go Sunday night game. Ooh, Chargers-Chiefs. This game is in Los Angeles, which, as we've learned, does not really mean anything from a home field advantage standpoint. It is Chargers plus five at home. Chargers real beat up, getting a little bit healthier – Herbert's played pretty good football despite being banged up, having the rib thing. They're getting Keenan Allen back this week, which I think is an important one. They almost pulled off that Sunday night win against the uh, against the uh, 49ers last week. They were like plus seven and a half, and they had that game one for three and a half quarters and then came a yard away from not covering. Just an absolutely wild one if you had action on either side of that one. It is plus five, five and four charges at home. I'm actually going to take the Chargers here, and I might lock it and sprinkle some money line here. I just think they're pretty good offensively. They need this game badly. For whatever reason, I like the Chargers in this spot. Where are you going here? Yeah, I like the Chargers too because, like, uh, and usually this has actually been a really good game over the years, you know, with uh, the, the two quarterbacks. So This has uh, been a gonna, fantastic and a bunch of primetime games too to add on to that. Yeah, so I'm going to roll with you on the Chargers. I like the Chargers here. All right, I, I'll lock it. This is only the second one I've used this week, and we've only got one game left, and we've got – Niners Cardinals. This game is in Arizona, and it is Cardinals plus eight, which would tell you that Kyler Murray is probably not playing. This might tell you that Colt McCoy isn't playing. You know, he got hurt in the game last week, but he did come back. No, I think Colt McCoy is playing. This is a lot of points. I hate the Arizona Cardinals. I hate watching them. It's like a dysfunctional mess. It's like watching a couple like teeter toward the edge of divorce on a weekly basis with the whole Kingsbury. Um, Kyler thing, but eight's too many points here. I don't love the Niners that much. I'm going to take the Cardinals here. I'm going to take the 49ers, golly. It's just uh, regardless of, like you were saying, it's a, it's a it's a bad married couple situation. It is. Uh, this is the Mexico City game, by the way. This is in Estadio Azteca, way up there, mile high. I don't think that changes much anything. Um, Like, they may just leave Cliff Kingsbury in Mexico if he loses this one. So, um, <laughs> We'll go Cardinals there. You're on funny. the uh, Niners. Just a strange week of games. Please uh, proceed with caution uh, if you're out there laying money out there this week. What a weird week in the NFL. But that's going to do it. We've reached the penultimate week of college football, week 11 in the National Football League. This has another been another edition of Fresh Cuts. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue in Oxford. Throw something on the grill as you prepare for the Thanksgiving holiday. Appreciate the time, my man. We'll holler at you next week. We will be ready. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate making this pod a part of your day. Hopefully your weekend is well underway. And Weldon and I will talk to you on Sunday.